Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, July 10th, 2017. That's right, made it back alive from down under place that I now lovingly refer to as Jurassic Park. That's where anything and everything could kill you. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to actually up, you know, like open the Bible, to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula apparently we need to be studying instead of. The Word of God. Yeah, weird how that all works out. And over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine being presented and fed to evangelicals is far, far, really far from being actually biblical. And uh, so we teach you how to defend yourself, arm yourself with the Word of God, rightly handle it. Uh, you know, and you know, make a proper distinction between law and gospel. Learn how to properly proclaim and understand sin, grace, repentance, the forgiveness of sins, bearing fruit in keeping with repentance, things of that nature. And uh, in order to help protect you, your family, your loved ones, and others. Well, like I said at the opening of the program, I am back in the United States. I am at the tail end of my uh, return jet lag. <laughs> All I can say is, whoa, yeah, that, that that's, uh, yeah. when you go to the other side of the planet and your day is night and your night is day, at least according to your body clock, yeah, it takes some getting used to. And, and we were in Australia long enough for me to get used to that time zone. So coming back, um, <laughs> it's like the fog. That's the best way I can put, put it, you know, put it, it's, you know, some kind of a mental fog that you go into. So... Uh, still working my way out of that fog. Mostly there, though. Things are kind of clearing up. Had to take a little bit of a of a nap this afternoon just in order to you know make sure I was mentally alert enough to do the program. But uh, the 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 uh, Pirate Christian Radio Conference in Sydney actually was in uh, Manly. That was the uh, 
town that we were in, uh, part of the northern beaches in Sydney, Australia, Manly, at uh, St. Matthew's there. And uh, wow, what a great, fantastic conference. And those of you wondering, will the audio be made available? The answer is, oh yeah, it will be. In fact, uh, what we're going to be doing is uh, you know, the uh, audio for the different uh, lectures, we're going to turn those into standalone programs. And uh, we will be broadcasting them in the days ahead. So, you know, I would just say stay tuned is the best way I can put it. Now, um, if you would like to, uh, you know, have that kind of an experience, you can't go down under now because uh, the Pirate Christian Radio Conference will not be there. However, uh, we are having a conference of our own, and it's the uh, second Friday and Saturday of August. Details are on the Fighting for the Faith website. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, if you've ever attended one of our conferences that will become readily apparent is that the conference is in part about the speakers and the lectures, but it's only in part. The other big part of our conferences is the ability for you to get to know other listeners of Fighting for the Faith, who are, you know, you know, to ask questions of me, of any of our speakers and things like that. Um, and it, it literally turns into each and every, uh, every one of our conferences turns into a time to kind of meet other family members you didn't even know you had. I mean, that's how that, that works out. And that's literally how the Australia conference worked out, how, you know, all of our previous conferences. And so, Yeah, that's the best way I can put it. The teaching is obviously a key component, but it is hardly the entire experience. And so if you're thinking, you know what, that sounds like something I'd really like to do. Well, go to fightingforthefaith.com, click on the conferences link at the top of the page, and you uh, can register for our upcoming conference that we're holding in August at Kongsvinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, and uh, you know, and we'd love to meet you. Uh, and you know, childcare is provided, and you know, all that kind of stuff. The details are on uh, the website. So uh, yes, there are still openings. And you'll note that uh, you know, it just seems like you know, I don't really push hard to uh, you know to get conference registrations. And yeah, that's that's right. I don't. And the reason I don't is so that our conferences stay small, stay intimate. And you're thinking, well, you're you're pushing it right now. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But uh, you know, so there's still time to get good airfare or to sit down and kind of tr- map out the travel arrangements. You know, not much to see, by the way, as far as sites out here in uh, in Oslo, Minnesota, and uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Yeah, no. In, in fact, um, I think our big tourist attraction is the epic flatness of our terrain. (laughs) Yeah, really, 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 really flat. Anyway, I think you get the idea. So if you haven't registered, you're thinking, man, I should do that. Do it. (laughs) Register. Come to come and join us. It's going to be a great time. Uh, Our speakers this year include myself, Amy Spreeman, Stephen Kozar, Matt Garnett. So, I mean, this is going to be just a fantastic uh, conference. And we're going to be keying in on this idea of uh, what are we as, uh, as, as lay people? Now, I'm not a lay person anymore. I'm a, I'm a pastor. 
But you know, that doesn't mean I <laughs> don't have something to say here. I actually do. But uh, as a layperson, how, how, what can you do? What do you say? How do you raise your voice of concern and stand your ground in the face of all of the false doctrine and nonsense that is permeating the church today? So, uh, you know, and we're going to be talking about the NAR. Steve Kozar has some great lectures that he's going to be presenting on uh, you know, kind of evangelicalism's ethos, if you would. Matt Garnett's going to be talking about uh, radical grace and things of that nature. And so myself, you know, I still have kind of, you know, nailing down my topics. I know for sure that one of my lectures is going to be a very in-depth look exegetically at the gift of tongues. So, you know, keep that in mind. So, um, but uh, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Now that I'm back stateside, uh, one of the things I missed while I was gone, you know, it happened, you know, while I was overseas, is that all of the prophetic words for July 2017 were released. And so um, if, if you don't have a prophecy bingo card, yeah, head over to fightingforthefaith.com and in the search box there, Type in prophecy bingo, and uh, and you know, and then you can. There's a link where you can generate, you know, a random, randomly generate a fighting for the faith prophecy bingo card so that you can play along today. Because uh, the best way I can say it, um, having reviewed all of the uh, the July words of the Lord for 2017. <laughs> All the prophetic buzzwords are showing up in spades, and I think it's going to be very easy, and I mean this, really easy to get a bingo today. So uh, we're going to be checking in with Russ Walden. We're going to be checking in with Jennifer LeClaire. We're going to hear from Ryan Lestrange. We're going to be hearing from, oh, what is this lady's name? I'm not even sure what, Murr Ministries, but I forget the name of this particular prophetess. And, of course, we're going to be hearing from Kay Nash. So, you know, all of the uh, the <laughs> all of the usual suspects, you know, for the July word of the Lord. And we're going to see if the Holy Spirit has figured out how to say the same thing to all of these people who claim to be receiving prophetic insights and see if any of this stuff makes any sense as far as like, you know, wow, I couldn't have lived without that. Thank God that we have prophets on YouTube that can give me words of the Lord. And then we are going to uh, check in with um, Perry Stone. Perry Stone recently appeared on the Jim Baker show. And, uh, oh, man, the best way I can put this is is that, uh, you know, we are at this point forwarding a very vital prophetic tsunami warning. Yeah. Prophetic tsunami warning for the East Coast, for the West Coast of the United States, we got tsunamis all up in here, and uh, and Perry Stone. I mean, he, oh, this is alarming, alarming stuff. To uh, then round out our number one, we're going to be listening to Andrew, uh, you know, Andrew Womack. Yeah, that's that's right, Andrew Womack, and uh, he is going to be well. How do I put this? He's going to be telling us about the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit, and what we're going to be doing here is we're going to be we're going to begin a multi-part look at the uh, charismatic Pentecostal doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit as taught by Andrew Womack, which is 
really kind of in the mainstream of the charismatic and Pentecostal movements. And uh, he's going to try to do some exegesis and stuff. But today we're going to listen to his introductory lesson on the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we'll see if uh, we can make any sense of that. And then in hour number two, we're going to head over to um, Bethel Church, and we're going to listen to Bill Johnson, as Bill Johnson teaches on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, Jesus went up on the mountain, he was with Peter, James, and John, and he was transfigured before their eyes, right? Moses and Elijah show up to discuss his exodus, that's the way the Gospel of Luke talks about it. And uh, we're going to listen to his teaching on the Mount of Transfiguration, see if we can make any sense of it, because uh, apparently um, he thinks we are supposed to be transfiguring. Yeah, and the way he gets to that is that kind of Mets bucket hat fan guy, all that weird wordplay. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We've got a lot of ground that we need to cover, and since we're going to begin with an extended prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate update uh, let's do this oh hallelujah get up right now Uh, Robert Tilton and Hubaba Kanda. So it's time for the July roundup of prophetic words of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Grab your Fighting for the Faith prophecy bingo cards. Yeah, that's right. You can get them over at fightingforthefaith.com. Randomly generate one, print it out, maybe print out a couple, and see if you can get a bingo. So to start off with our uh, prophetic words of the month, let's check in with Jennifer LeClaire. Hello, everyone. Jennifer LeClaire, director of the Awakening House of Prayer in South Florida and author of a number of books you may have read. Uh, What I want to talk to you today, though, about is the prophetic word the Lord has shared with my heart for the month of July. Yeah, there you go. I mean, God didn't reveal that to you, didn't talk to you in your heart. No, it's not even in the Bible. No, he revealed the prophetic word of July to, you know, Jennifer LeClaire. Right. Yeah, we continue. I preface this by saying that many times the Lord gives me words that I don't release for months after I receive them. Why? Because I'm waiting on the perfect timing of the Lord. The Lord. Yeah, the better question is why would God be releasing words to your heart? Builds line upon line and precept upon precept. And if you'll notice uh, what has happened this year uh, with the prophecies that I've released month by month is that they have built one upon the other. As I looked back over the first six months of the year, I was amazed uh, by how these words built on one another. We had Dream Wild in January. Yeah, you did. 
which absolutely changed my life. And so right, yeah, dream wild changed your life. Yeah, didn't mean a thing to me. Anyways, then we had to ride the wind. So we dream wild. We begin to ride the wind, and then mm -hmm. yeah, the wind beneath your seat. Yeah. Happens, fear comes against us. The word of the Lord for the month of uh, March was fierce, and so we learned how to be fierce in God because our God is fierce, and we began to to press against that spirit of fear. We moved on there uh, uh, to payback. Praise God, payback, and then we moved on to the mega, and then we we started talking about mega payback. You remember these things? And last month we spoke uh, prophetically about how you are authorized. Praise God. This month the Lord has been talking to me about angels. He began to speak to me about the heavenly host. And I released on Periscope earlier this morning during my morning prayer call, which you can watch right here on Facebook or you can watch on, on Periscope. You can listen to it rather. Uh, I began to share a hashtag heavenly host because the Lord is wanting hashtag heavenly host. Mm hmm. As a body of Christ, listen to me now. The Lord is wanting the body of Christ in this hour to understand the reality and the ministry of angels. What yeah, um, don't you think that if uh, God wants us to understand the reality and ministry of angels, that he just would have put that all in the Bible? I mean, because the Bible actually teaches about angels and their ministry and the heavenly host. In fact, in the study of theology, Christian doctrine, that particular focus of what Scripture teaches is called angelology. Uh-huh, yeah, it's true. Has happened. I'm going to share the prophetic word with you in just a moment. Just hold on. What has happened is that many people have gone uh, sideways with angels. In other words, uh, they have uh, begun to to propagate uh, false perceptions, false theologies, uh, false, false, false about angels. And so we need to discern the truth from the false. But we. <laughs> All right. So we got Jennifer Leclaire telling us the importance of discerning the true. From the false, this coming from the woman who has propagated that huge false teaching on the sneaky squid spirit. But not throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, Bill Johnson probably said it best when he said we don't worship angels, but we'd be foolish to ignore them. Mm -hmm. So we'd be foolish to ignore angels. Now, how does one exactly ignore an angel? And how would that ignoring of the angelic cause will be to the detriment of a believer? Yeah, I just have to ask the question because, quite frankly, we don't see them. Now, I'm not saying they don't exist. Scripture is clear that they do and that they're ministering spirits, that they minister to the elect. Yeah, that's right. So I don't have, a, I don't have any problem believing what Scripture reveals regarding the existence of angels, the, what the work of angels, and things of that nature. And nowhere in Scripture am I told that if I ignore an angel or the angelic, that somehow I am, while well, doing so to the detriment and harm of myself or my faith or anything of the sort, I can't see them. Neither can you. Um, I'm not supposed to be communicating to them. No, I don't pray to angels. Neither should you. Uh, you know, and so how does one go about ignoring something that we are neither told to communicate with or are we led to expect that we see? So, I mean, 
on a day-to-day basis, being that angels exist and are doing their work, pretty good chance that uh, you're just walking right by them and just totally ignoring them. Yeah. You know, there's that angel going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I'm right here, Dad. Let me wave my hands. You know, no. <laughs> so <laughs> just... This is just absurd. ...are all around us. And I believe, and of course the Bible says, that angels are ministering spirits sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. So, if- Yeah, that's what the scripture says, and I don't need you giving a prophetic word for July to somehow remind me of that. You are an heir of salvation. If you are saved, if you are in Christ, you have an angel army at your disposal according to the will of God. Let At my disposal? As if somehow I can command it? Uh, you know read you this prophetic word that I'm going to unpack it a little bit and through the course of this month I'm going to be teaching on this at the awakening house of prayer we're going to we're going to be unpacking it in our life groups. We're going to be pressing into it on our prayer calls. Why? She even has a full website for this angel prophecy. It's angelprophecy.com. I want us to get this. Okay. So many of us neglect the ministry of angels. Doesn't matter. We just neglect it. Can you believe we're neglecting the ministry of angels? In fact, I'll have to admit that it was only about uh, two years ago when I really began to study angels. I'd had uh, angelic encounters. I had had encounters. You have? With with fallen angels, with demons, uh, but never with... Sneaky squid demons? Actual angel, uh, or, or, or to the point that I was studied out in depth in the way that I have. I've written two books now in the last, uh, well, seven months on angels. I've been pressing in. So the Lord is speaking to me. Yes, she's been pressing in. So she's not ignoring the angelic, you know. And he wants to speak to you. I want to share this word with you. And again, I'm going to unpack it uh, just a little bit uh, as we go on. Let me read. Now, she's going to read something here. And uh, if you want to know about angels. What should be coming from her mouth next are passages from the written word of God. First, though, here's what the Lord said to my heart. I am the Lord of hosts. My heavenly host is encamped around those who fear my name. My ministering spirits are ready and waiting to minister to the heirs of salvation. Ready and waiting? What are they waiting for? So God is telling us, hey, you know, whole angel army here, man. They're they're ready and waiting. Since <laughs> when are the angels waiting to serve the heirs of salvation? Angels can arrive on the scene in an instant. Isn't that good news? Praise God. Many of you have entertained angels unaware in times of trouble as I sent them to war for you, to deliver you, to rescue you from the enemy's plot against your life. If you press into the reality of angels, says God, if you learn to discern their presence and how to cooperate with their ministry, says God, you will find greater breakthrough in every area of your life. Wait, wait. so if if I'm supposed to experience greater breakthrough, I I have to somehow learn how to press into and acknowledge the existence of angels. <laughs> so they're ready, they're waiting. Their their potential 
um, ministering spirits for the heirs of salvation. But if you really, if yeah, they're they're just waiting. <laughs> it's up to you to press in and you know and stuff like that, so that then they can be released to do their work. I would argue that what we just heard there regarding this July prophetic word of the Lord that. Uh, is coming to Jennifer LeClaire that uh, this is totally contrary to what Scripture reveals. Nowhere in Scripture are we told that angels are potential, waiting in the wings, you know, ministering spirits, but that we've got to press in before they can do their thing. Uh, <laughs> and that somehow they are the agents of breakthrough, whatever that is. Yeah, so I yeah, I hope you're filling out your pro- uh, prophecy bingo cards. Now, let's check in with Myrrh Ministries, Myrrh Ministries, and uh, their prophetic word for July. See if, uh, if they're in sync with uh, Jennifer LeClaire's uh, hashtag heavenly host, July prophecy. Here we go. Hi, it's Heather Kernew here with Mer Ministries. Yeah. And I have a word from the Lord for the month of July. Wow. Yeah. So did Jennifer LeClaire. And it was chock full of false teaching. It's a threefold message. Okay. What's the enemy doing? Yeah. What's God doing? And what? how are we supposed to respond? And what's going to happen yeah. for us? Right. It, yeah. I'm curious, what is going to happen to us? This month of July 2017. Right, yeah, there's just a little over 20 days left, yeah. Okay, so it's kind of a full-pack message. Right. And um, let's start off with the the what, what the enemy is going to be doing this month. Right, so you got enemy intel, right? Yeah, that, I, I think that's an important aspect of these uh, monthly words. Yeah, we need to get our intelligence report on enemy activity. Yeah. I mean, who's doing recon on this, by the way? And not to give him the marquee billing, but, you know, a a good general always knows what the other side is doing. So this is going to be a month of, um, well, there's a... Um, Are you just making this up? A lot of warfare going on between your ears. Right, yeah. So um, the enemy is doing warfare between your ears, got it. And um, a lot of distraction mentally. And I, I would even say, you know, prophetically, yeah. A lot of um, a distraction around you, the whole spirit of distraction. There's a spirit of distraction. Who knew? Yeah. Now, if you heard my word from last month, God you know, has put together the new wineskin and he's pouring. Right. Did, you know, you should be right. If you had your prophecy bingo card out, wineskins, one of the buzzwords, the new wine, yeah. the old season, mm-hmm. the past season was about the formation of the wineskin. Right. This season is all about the pouring in of the wine and the distribution of the wine, and then later on in the year, you're going to see a stirring to a desire to drink that new wine that's being poured in us right now. Right. So, um, yeah, get your wineskin out and get ready to do some pouring. You know? The enemy's trying to poke holes in our wineskin. Oh, our- no. That's terrible. There's no way for a wineskin to hold wine if it's got a hole poked in it. Going to let him? No, we're not. No, there's no way I'm going to let the enemy poke holes in my wineskin, especially my new wineskin. 
All right. Now we're going to have to pause there. Yeah, we're going to pause there. We're going to take our first break, and we'll, when we come back, we'll continue with these July prophetic words. <laughs> See if we can make heads or tails of them. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pyre Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Pyre Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from more prophets. We're also going to be hearing from uh, 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 Perry Stone as well as Andrew Womack. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Come in. Hello, I'm here for my two o'clock appointment. Yes, Mrs. Staley, is it? That's me. Have a seat. So, what is it I can do for you today? I was hoping that I could upgrade my prayer account today. That is excellent. Let me just look up your information. It looks like you've been with us for about three years. That's right. And you're currently a member of a spiritual growth prayer package. Yes. Well, that's not good. What's not good? It says here that your account, even after three years of accumulated dream interest, is still classified at a micro prayer level. What does that mean? It means that your current dream destiny balance is non-existent. It, it says that you've experienced zero spiritual growth. That's very disturbing. There must be some kind of mistake. Well, we can easily fix this. I'm just going to pull up your pre-appointment questionnaire. Okay. It says here that you pray at least four to six times a week. That's good. You tie 10% of your income to your local church. That's very good. You're happily married. You have two children and... Oh. What's oh? Well, in the career box, you've put an A. Well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. So what you're saying is that you don't have a real job. It certainly feels like a real job to me. Okay, then. So what can we do to fix my account balance? For starters, we'll go over your current dream projections for the next fiscal church year. That'll give us a baseline to work from. So what are your big plans for this year? Well... I'm currently trying to potty train my two-year-old by summertime. Uh-huh. I'm trying to grow my own vegetables in my back garden. Okay. And my husband and I are also saving up money to fix our roof. Well, then, that explains a lot. What do you mean? It's painfully clear to me that you're simply not dreaming 
big enough. Not big enough. Well, the doy, potty training, vegetables, and roofs are chump change and are simply unworthy of a mega prayer account. Oh, so what do you suggest I do? Well, first things first, you're going to need to get a real career. It really doesn't matter as long as it's related with fame, fortune, or glory. Uh... Secondly, you need to rid yourself of these pathetic micro-prayers. God doesn't have time to listen to such puny little things. What would be your current dream car? Probably a minivan, so I could have enough room for the kids and groceries. <clears throat> I think I just threw it in my mouth a little bit. <sighs> okay, instead of a <clears throat> minivan... Uh, why not pray for a Maserati? I couldn't afford the insurance. That's what the career is for. See, you're so trapped by your own micro-dreams that you can't see your potential. I don't want a career. I love being a stay-at-home mom. <coughs> I can't believe what I'm hearing. No wonder you've experienced zero spiritual growth. I, I bet you're the type of person that prays for daily bread and, and for the forgiveness of their sins. Why, yes, actually. Get out of my office! This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. We're back. Uh, 
warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that uh, so much of today's so-called prophecy is utter nonsense. Yes, it is. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you're going to see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute an amount that you choose. That's right. You you get to choose what you automatically contribute every month, and that determines your rank in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month, and then Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. Joining our crew, by the way, is a great way to support us. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button on our website, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, before the break, we were hearing from Murr Ministries, Murr Ministries, and um, and the prophetic word for July. We haven't quite gotten to the July word yet. We were getting uh, recon intel on the um, the warfare thingy that the devil is doing between our ears. Mm-hmm. We continue. Okay, so um, I heard the Lord. He he sent me to Luke twenty two. 31. He did. That That's where he sent you. Well, actually, God sends us to his word all the time, and I've read Luke twenty two thirty one many times without being sent there, per se. Jesus says, yeah. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But yeah, that's Jesus talking to Simon, yeah. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not Fail. Right, because he was about to deny Christ three times while Jesus was on trial. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And that is what God is asking us to do. Okay. Uh, which part? So I also heard the word threshing floor. You, you did. You sure it wasn't hashtag heavenly host? Okay, now. When we hear threshing floor, we think, oh, my goodness, judgment, right? Now, a thr- I, I did a little. Well, yeah, that because, <laughs> you know, you think of the parables that Christ taught about how the wheat and the chaff are separated. Yeah. And the wheat's brought into the barn. The chaff is burned in the eternal fire. So, yeah, threshing floors generally have something to do with judgment. Uh, research mm-hmm. on the threshing floor itself. You, you did. Wow. And it was made, it was a huge area of smooth stone among the stony ground in the Bible days. Okay, so what took place at that threshing floor? Often it was a meeting place. It was a place for people when they were traveling through, they could put up their tents and it would be much more comfortable for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was also um, a place where... Actually, David, David chose the location 
um, of the temple near a threshing floor. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of showing a lot of ignorance on your part. Um, yeah, because God was executing judgment, um, and <laughs> the judgment stopped there at a particular threshing floor. So, kind of, you know, God actually is the one who chose where that temple mount would be. Yeah. And God directed him for to that. So you see that it it isn't all negative stuff when yeah. we think of being tested on a threshing floor. Um, it's good stuff. It's provision. It's blessing. It's um, it, it it's uh, favor. Oh. Right. Yeah. Provision. Blessing. Favor. Hope you're filling out your prophecy bingo cards. All right. Let's check in with uh, Russ Walden. And uh, his uh, prophetic breakthrough word for July 2017, here we go. Today that I have not called you to endless struggle. Right. Walking in my kingdom, says the Father, was never intended to be or to be characterized by reeling from one crisis to the next until you die and go to heaven. Right. God told you that? Are you sure? The Father says, my hand is upon you. I am promoting you. I'm bringing acceleration. And- Promotion and an acceleration. Hope you're filling out your prophecy bingo cards there. Those are two words that are definitely in our bingo cards. Promotion into your life, says the Father. Mm-hmm. Whether anyone else understands the gifting that I have invested in you, let your heart come into agreement with me. Step out in what I have caused to burn in your heart and let everybody else just cope with your call. This is the hour and this is the time that having one heart and one mind with me is required of you and is incumbent upon you as a matter of your personal accountability to my throne. Uh, okay, I have no idea what that means. Come into the place of deeper trust, says the Father. Okay, um, and do you think I'm experiencing trust issues with God? You've trusted me in times past. As you have trusted me in times past, so trust me deeper still. So, basically, Russ, you're kind of saying that everybody who watches this video of yours... For the breakthrough word for July 2017, that every single one of them have trust issues regarding God. None of them actually trust Him. You know, this note that this is a prophetic onesie. It's a one size fits all. And the season that you are now stepping into. I'm always stepping into seasons. Yeah, isn't that weird how you're always stepping into a season? The harvest. The harvest is ripe. Do not let anything, says the Father, get your eyes off the harvest. Well, actually, um, Murr Ministries wanted me to focus on on the uh, the threshing floor itself, but not to see it as judgment or things like that. The time of harvest is at hand. I have prepared a sickle and a garner to gather in the wheat of heaven, says the Father. Are you a willing worker? There are those who... How do I go about working then if I'm willing? Not willing to go unless they know what's in it for them. 
I say to you that they will be left standing unused and unfulfilled. So you got to get to work without any understanding at all of what the the wages are going to be for the working, right? Be a vessel poured out unto me, says the Father. Be willing to stay and be willing to go. Be willing to support and be willing to go out without any man going with you. This is a time of great harvest, says the Father. Yeah, um, I mean, this is close to that whole threshing floor thingy, but it's not the same. What What about the hashtag heavenly host thing? Um, did the Holy Spirit say anything to you about that? All right, let's uh, switch gears again and uh, check in with Ryan Lestrange. Ryan Lestrange and his uh, um, prophetic insight for July. Here we go. Welcome to this lunchtime prophetic. I'm going to be sharing my prophetic insight for this summer, particularly the month of July. I have a couple of words burning in my spirit. I put a few nuggets out on Facebook, but I want to unpack this right now on this live. And I believe it's going to encourage you. I believe it's going to bless you. So I want to share with you uh, something the Lord's been sharing with me. Two words that I feel are burning in my spirit. This is my July prophetic insight. Uncommon exploits. Uncommon exploits. Yeah. So we got the threshing floor. We got the uncommon exploits. We got the harvest thingy. um, And of course, you know, the hashtag heavenly host. Um, Why is it that the Holy Spirit isn't saying the same thing? Uncommon exploits. The Lord really began to show me that he's releasing people to take the mountains. He's releasing people to go for it in un. Yeah, that's kind of a problem, Ryan. Um, because where I live, we ain't got no no mountains. No, it's it's kind of sad. Um, it's really flat here. R- really, really, really flat. No mountains anywhere. No, I mean you can watch your dog run away for two weeks here, and so. So I'm glad that God's releasing people to take mountains, but what happens if you ain't got no mountains? An exploit. There's a real Joseph mantle upon the people of God, and I want to just Joseph mantle. Yeah, I hope you're filling out your prophecy bingo cards. That faith in you. Yeah. I want to stir this anointing. I want to encourage you and release the word of the Lord to you. So first of all, when I began to sense this word uncommon, and I've prophesied this word before, I've studied this word before, I, I like words. And so I began to look in the dictionary about the word uncommon. It means not ordinarily encountered. I li- right. Now, is that from the Greek or the Hebrew? God's raising up some not ordinarily encountered kind of people. Some people that are going to do uncommon business exploits. Some people that are going to do uncommon ministry exploits. Some people that are going to do uncommon media exploits. Not ordinary. That God's taking you outside of the ordinary. The bo- Right, yeah. This is coming from the guy who's doing uncommon nonsense exploits. Right, yeah. All right. One more uh, YouTube prophetess. We're going to check in with uh, Kay Nash. We're going to try to stay with this one for a little bit. Uh, here's Kay Nash's July prophetic word for 2017. And I guarantee you it won't be anything we've already heard because uh, apparently the Holy Spirit doesn't say the same thing for you know month after month. But just kind of, you know, just whatever. We continue. Here we go. Here's Kay Nash. 
Okay, so there's a lot this month. There was a lot to last month as well, but I'm not sure the order of this. He gave me certain things, but I'm just going to try to follow the spirit in the moment. Um, but I did feel to start with this. Um, For your work shall be rewarded. Um, and that's out of Jeremiah 31, 16. So just, we're, we're going to get part of a sentence. The, the Jeremiah 31, 16, the verse, it says, Thus saith Yahweh, refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. But you're just going to key in on the sentence fragment, for thy work shall be rewarded. Got it. And, you know, I think... In the midst of all this harvesting, it can feel like a lot of running around and you might not be getting to really enjoy the harvest because, you know, when you're out there and you're pulling up the crops, like it's hot, it's sweaty in Florida, it's literally hot and it's literally sweaty. Are you literally harvesting things from the ground in Florida during the summer months? Am I supposed to be doing that? I mean, there are farms out here. Should I be heading to one and, and just be pulling stuff up? Um, and so you might not be really feeling the reward just yet, but that doesn't mean you didn't gather the harvest. That doesn't mean you haven't been pulling up the harvest. That just means you haven't figured out how to eat the harvest yet. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I, 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 I have no clue how to eat the harvest. <laughs> I, oh, I never put any thought into that at all. I, this is going to totally radically change my entire life. And so you might have been working really hard, but I encourage you, the harvest is still going on. Yeah. Um, there's still lots to do this month. I know that's Kind of, uh, I don't know what you think of me saying that, so think what you will, but I just felt like he had said the harvest is still happening this once, so still be collecting. Um, but there will be a time to get away with him. Um, you know, we release a prophetic calendar. We're, um, and you, you released a prophetic calendar. We each month has um, the word we kind of felt for the month, and this was July. I don't always tell you, show you guys this, but this was July. It was, um, New ships. Um, and All right. So you released the 2017 prophetic calendar, and the word in your calendar that you released was new ships. Okay. A time to sail away with the Lord, new beginnings, a fresh start, new relationships, and divine connection. Um, and it's really... I don't know, like it's important that at, you're getting away with the Lord this month because you need to figure out what you need to do with all this crop and stuff you've been bringing in from last <laughs> Yeah, I, I got crop all up in here. I don't, what, I, what am I going to do with all this crop? I mean, <sighs> I have no clue how to eat it. Okay. This month. You know, you might have gotten clients or you yeah. might have gotten business connections or yeah. you might have gotten new converts 
or you got might have gotten new finances, whatever it was that your harvest is last month, you now need to go back to the Lord and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do with this harvest? You know? Yeah, Lord, I got all this crop and, you know, you, you, and I, you know, I, I don't know what to do with any of it. Yeah. Some of it is for you to eat and enjoy. You know, that's the blessing of the harvest. But yeah. some of it you need to sow back into the kingdom. Um, so just prayerfully consider that, you know, don't sow everything. You need to have bread, you know, unless, of course, the Holy Spirit tells you otherwise. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of. So you need bread unless God says you don't need bread. Got it. A catch up from last month so that we're on the same page. Um, yeah. And if you haven't watched last month, it was very popular for us. Um, so make sure you go check that out um, so you understand kind of what I'm talking about, about the harvest. Um, okay. Now let's really jump into how this month is going to be different than last month. Right. This is a month of physical preparation. Now, God highlighted several different verses to me yeah. um, about this. One of them was from Song of Solomon, and it um, talks about the teeth are like a flock of sheep. None is barren. <laughs> Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 6. The teeth are as white as sheep. <sighs> It, yeah, this is love poetry in there. Uh, yeah, okay, all right. Um, you sure that's what the Holy Spirit highlighted for you to tell us for the month of July 2017? I heard the Lord say this, Get your physical body ready. Brush your teeth. Cut and comb your hair. It's time for the... Yeah, time to get a haircut, folks. Um, yeah, God says so right now. And if you've been neglecting your oral hygiene... <laughs> I just, wow. Rest to continue. Yeah. Um, I also heard if you have beards, it might be time to cut your beards and to put on some nice clothes. Right. So those of you with fa with facial hair, time to get your uh, beards trimmed and um, upgrade your wardrobe. Get some nice clothes. You know, I think that, you know, some things in this world, not everything, obviously, but some things you have to be dressed a certain way for. Yeah. I've been talking to a lot of my girls that are in my ministry in Florida about this, and we've been having this conversation probably for about the past two, two and a half months about putting on your royal garments. You know, when Esther became queen, she put on her... Yeah, how exactly does one go about putting on their royal garments. <laughs> I mean, I just, ay, ay, ay. yeah, I think you kind of get the idea there. Okay, so let's change it up just a smidge. Um, we're going to be checking in with Perry Stone, and we're going to be issuing a, prof a prophetic tsunami warning. This is from the Prophetic Tsunami Warning Center uh, over at the uh, Jim Baker Show. Uh, apparently, if you live on the east coast of the United States or you live on the west coast of the United States, you are going to be under a prophetic tsunami warning. So let's play our uh, Perry Stone update music and uh, let's then check in with him to, to issue this important Warning for everybody on the East and West Coast. I'm a nut. 
I'm a nut. My life don't ever get in a rut. The head on my shoulders is sore and loose, and I ain't got sense. God gave a goose, Lord, I ain't crazy, but I'm a nut. Is it wetter underwater if you're there when it rains? Is it shorter to New York than it is by plane? Between myself and I, I wonder who's the dumber. Is it hotter down south than it is in the summer? I'm a nut. I'm a nut. My life don't ever get in a rut. Yeah, that's right. So we're heading over to the Jim Baker show and uh, listening to this important, important, I mean, this is earth shattering stuff here. Those of you living on the east or west coasts of the United States, uh, you got to understand Perry Stone here is letting you know that your life is in danger. I mean, uh, just deep, deep, like tsunami wave deep danger. So, yeah, listen in. I was right outside of Charleston, South Carolina, and in this vision, I was in a duplex. And there was a woman taking pictures at the bottom. It was very beautiful. I could see the city, real real clean, Mm. nice city, Mm. clear day. And I looked over to the right and I saw a bridge, and the bridge had a big interstate sign that said Charleston. And I knew, well, I'm near Charleston, South Carolina. It must be across the bridge. Well, I didn't know there were bridge connect, bridges connecting there. I had no idea because I never preached in Charleston. And uh, all of a sudden, I saw a dark cloud forming. I said, oh, my goodness, there's trouble coming. And the lady's out taking pictures, and I'm trying to hit the window and say, get, get to safety. Get to safety. Turn back, and I'm at the bridge. I see two things at once. I see the, the twin towers ghosted come up out of the water, mm. the twin towers. So immediately I'm thinking, okay, are, is this, is this going to be a terrorist attack? Are they going to be able to do what I'm about to see through a terrorist attack? And I, I can't answer that. I think, I think military men could answer that better than I could because I really can't answer what I'm about to tell you. Is it natural or is it made by an explosion underwater? I don't know. I saw a tsunami. I have never seen waves. I'm trying to see in the building if I could see. Yeah. Probably up to the top of that arch at least. I do know this. It hit the bridge. And when it hit the bridge, it was with such force. And I don't know if they put explosives under the bridge, but it was like a combination. That whole bridge collapsed. And it was so high, it was going to... All right. So a terrorist-induced... Tsunami in Charleston. It's going to take out the Charleston Bridge. Yeah. It was coming right into those duplexes to the second story. Mm-hmm. And I remember grabbing, and, and in every one of these, Jim, and I'm, I'm being as serious as I can be, in every one of these, there's been at least 10. I'll tell you three of them. I'm always grabbing water and food. One home I'm in was in Baltimore, Maryland. And I said, oh, my Lord. They said, well, all of a sudden, there's water in the streets, and it's getting higher. I said, you've had a tsunami. It was Chesapeake Bay area. And we're running upstairs, and I said, grab every snack you can and bottle of water and go upstairs right now and fill your bathtub and sink up with water because it's drinkable. So I'm telling people to to uh, to hit the, hit, you know, fill your sink up. Fill your bathtub up. Make sure you've got water because it's going to be, if that happens, the water gets bad. You know, you, you don't have good water to drink. 
Uh, then I saw one on the West Coast. And just the other night, and I'm going to go ahead and name these. So tsunami on the East Coast, tsunami on the West Coast. Yeah, you might want to get your uh, your will updated. Yeah, and buy some buckets of uh, <clears throat> gut bomb food from uh, Jim Baker. You know, for to survive on. You know, individuals because they're close friends and they trust. They have confidence in what I say that this is not flaky. The tsunami dreams happened every two to three weeks for over a year. Mm. And by now I'm about to go crazy. I'm thinking, God, what what is this about? I mean. There's a shaking coming from the East Coast, and water's coming that way. But there's something on the West Coast, water's coming that way. And when it does, I mean, the last one I had about California, I saw it coming in so high that we were in cars trying to get up to the mountains. Now, this is how real it was. And we went up. I don't even know where we were. We were in Orange County somewhere, but we got up a mountain. Mm -hmm. And I got out of the car. And the next thing I know, I'm in a woman's house, and she happens to know my ministry from TV. She sees me outside, and she says, Are you Perry Stone? She says, Oh, my God, come in here and look at the news. And she was able to get satellite, I guess. And I saw the Fox News Network with helicopters on the news. And they're saying water is everywhere. Buildings are underwater. There are bodies floating already. This was horrible, Jim. And in the dream, my wife was with me. We do go to California and preach, by the way. I pray, Believe me, I pray before I go there on those trips. I mean, really, after having this, you don't know, you know. But in every dream. So when he travels to California to speak, he's really, really, really praying that, you know, whatever it is he saw doesn't happen when he's there. Okay. And some of them were visions. Uh, uh, it's the same thing. The water comes into the area very heavy, and I'm always screaming at people, get water and food and get to the top. Go to the highest place you can go with water and food. Now, see, some people, uh, I, I know you have food supplies, and they're in barrels. Now, I'm going to tell you something that you don't know. You've never heard me say this. Nobody on TV has ever heard me say this. None of my partners have ever heard me say this. Are you going to help Jim Baker move his food buckets, you know, sell them? But in my dreams, I see food in containers that can float. The reason I don't like to name places is because I'll get 500 phone calls. <laughs> what should I do? Should I? No, you should listen to God. That's right. This is where you have to learn to hear and That's pray. Right. God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so after... Revealing that the East Coast, especially those in Charleston, the West Coast, especially those in Southern California and the Orange County area, that oh, they're doomed. Oh yeah, they're they're totally doomed. I mean, we got prophetic tsunami warnings being issued here. People are panicking, going, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" And, and his advice is, hey, "Don't don't 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 call me. You need to hear God's voice yourself." But I don't know how. That's too bad. Yeah, figure it out. I want everybody just moving all over the country right. because tsunamis have come tsunamis and people have are coming. They're, no, they're definitely coming. They're coming. I can I can put my hand on this book. Yeah, and and luckily Jim Baker's food buckets they can float. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's there's tsunamis coming. Did you hear Jim Baker? He affirmed. It's got to be true. There's tsunamis coming. I used to see things, and I wouldn't talk about it. I would tell a few people mm -hmm. enough to know. I'd say, now, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. And it would happen. They said, Perry, mm -hmm. why didn't you tell every, tell other people? Yes. So now that things have happened, like the 9-11, yes. the Orwick th thing, the, the death of bin Laden, you know, two and a half years, God tells me Bush is going to be president. Now that this is happening, I'm a little bit more bold to say, okay, 
I know when I keep seeing it yeah. that I'm not crazy. All right. So he's not crazy. There you go. Uh, prophetic tsunami warning issued for Charleston and for Orange County, California. Yeah. If you live there, you need to make sure you can buy some Jim Baker floating food buckets and uh, make sure when, when this all goes down, get to the high ground and you need those prophetic floating food buckets you know, in order to survive. Yeah, I think you get the point. Moving along, we're going to be checking in with Andrew Womack. And uh, Andrew Womack is one of these fellows who I consider to be a money-grubbing tele-evangelist. Yep, uh, despite the fact that he's uh, not quite as crass as uh, somebody like, uh, you know, Benny Hinn or Ken Copeland, he, he still is a complete word of faith, you know, type teacher, sow a seed and, you know, or you'll get a blessing from God. Uh, but he's he's not quite as over the top in his teaching on that as uh, others that we've covered here. But we're going to be doing a series with Andrew Womack as he's trying to teach us the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in you know in the life of a believer. And we're going to note some of the very obvious, and I mean this, obvious holes in the theology that he's preaching. That uh, is just crazy. Go nuts! It is, it is a false teaching regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and uh, you know, and things like that. But uh, let's do this since he's a money grubbing televangelist. I've got ninety thousand pounds in my pajamas. I've got forty thousand French francs in my fridge. I've got lots of lovely lira. Now the Deutsche Mark's getting dearer, and my dollar bills would buy the Brooklyn Bridge. There is nothing quite as wonderful as money. There is nothing quite as beautiful as cash Some people say it's folly But I'd rather have the lolly With money you can make a splash There is nothing quite as wonderful as money Money, 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 money. Nothing like a newly minted pound Money, 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 money Everyone must anchor for the butchness of a banker It's accountancy that makes the world go round, 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 round You round, can keep round, your Marxist ways But it's only just a place For it's money, money, money makes the world all right, so here's our first installment, a multi-segment installment that we'll be doing over the next few weeks uh, from Andrew Womack as he's supposedly teaching us about the, uh, the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Christian believers. Here we go. Today I'm starting a brand new series, and this is something that I'm really excited about. I'm going to be talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, you know, I refer to this a lot and uh, occasionally mention it, but it's been a long time since I just sat down and taught on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I know that this is something that many of you watching this, this is what you really need is just to understand and appropriate and respond to and cooperate with the Holy Spirit in your life. All right, so I need to respond, appropriate, and cooperate. Where in Scripture does it teach that I need to appropriate and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, especially in the way he's talking? I'm going to be sharing some things that have just revolutionized me. And let me say right up front that if I had not have ex had an experience with the Lord and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 1968. Now, I, I'm just going to point this out, that the 
charismatic doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues is not taught in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason I say that is because when you read 1 Corinthians 12, read 1 Corinthians 12 in context, it talks about the fact that when the Holy Spirit gives gifts, it gives different gifts. He gives different gifts to different people. And the the text in 1 Corinthians 12 makes it explicitly clear that not all receive the gift of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, individually you're members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And then it asks a series of questions. And again, each of these questions is has an untranslated Greek particle in it, which means that the questions must be answered in the negative. The ne- that particle is may. And so the Apostle Paul asks a series of questions. Are all apostles? No, they are not. Are all prophets? No. And that's kind of an important thing here, too, because you're going to note within the charismatic and Pentecostal movements, not only are they teaching that everybody can receive the gift of tongues, but that all can prophesy. And here it says, are all prophets? The answer is no. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Uh Uh-huh. So we got a problem here. Andrew Womack, and this, you know, by putting forward this uh, this false doctrine of this baptism of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. as evidenced by speaking in tongues, he is not teaching what the Bible teaches at all. You would never have heard from me. I mean, this radically changed my life. This is a root of everything good that God has done in my life. And as I travel and hold our meetings, I'll, you know, always give an invitation for this. And during a three-day meeting, we will have hundreds of people who watch me on TV and who come to my meetings and who've been blessed, but they don't have this baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't speak in tongues. They don't operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we have hundreds every single time. Um, Okay, so notice what you just said there. They don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, yet Scripture is clear. That, uh, let, you, know, let, and, you know, if you're following me on social media, here's the setup for this. I asked the question, you know, a little bit of a biblical quiz that I put out there. When Jesus had the Holy Spirit descend on him, when did it happen? Did it happen when he was water baptized? Or did it happen when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues? Yeah, Jesus nowhere spoke in tongues. Uh-huh. He, the, the, the Spirit descended on him at his water baptism. And when you read Acts chapter 2, yeah, the day of Pentecost, after Peter preaches that brilliant sermon and people say, say to him, Brothers, what shall we do? He said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the normative... Uh, vehicle, if you would, biblically, for Holy Spirit, yeah, to receive the Holy Spirit, water baptism. Yeah, Christ received the Spirit in his water baptism. So do we, according to Acts 2. 
So we got a problem here. And notice he is saying that it's a problem that people don't speak in tongues. Yet we just read in 1 Corinthians 12, not all speak in tongues. Let me back this up. Listen again. With the Lord and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 1968, you would never have heard from me. I mean, this radically changed my life. This is a root of everything good that God has done in my life. And as I travel and hold our meetings, I'll, you know, always give an invitation for this. And during a three-day meeting, we will have hundreds of people who watch me on TV and who come to my meetings and who've been blessed, but they don't have this baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't speak in tongues. They don't operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we have hundreds every single time. Now, why would you say they don't operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, it, anybody who's been given a gift from the Holy Spirit would operate in it, and including the gift of tongues. You would definitely operate in it. And so we got a problem here because, you know, discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Administration is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Teaching is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so, I mean, this is, again, a false dichotomy here. You know, what he's basically saying is is that they don't operate in the gift of tongues. Yet, Scripture is clear, not all speak in tongues. If somebody is administrating or teaching and has received that gift from the Holy Spirit, they are exercising and working in the gifts of the Spirit. So you're going to note he has a very myopic and I would say very limited understanding, and as a result of that, driving is false theology regarding uh, the gifts, uh, you know, the the gifts of the Holy Spirit here. And he falsely believes that somehow we all should be speaking in tongues when Scripture says we don't. They respond thousands throughout the year, and so I just know that this is something that is needed in the life and the ministry of every single person. And so I'm excited about this. And again, I refer to this a lot and mention it, but I, I'm just going to sit down and this is going to be a brand new teaching. I mean, I have some uh, teachings that I've already done that will supplement this. And when appropriate, I'll offer them as additional teaching. But I just want to start from the ground up and talk about how necessary it is for you to understand and receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but the issue is that everybody who is a baptized, penitent believer in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, this has been really neglected in the body of Christ. As I go through this, I believe that you're going to see uh, why uh, many people don't seem to have the power of God working in their life because the ministry of the Holy Spirit has not been emphasized. And this is the way that God flows through us. And if there's any resistance, whether it's through ignorance or if it's through wrong teaching against these gifts of the Holy Spirit, but any resistance on our part to the ministry of the Holy Spirit just really shuts us off from the power of God flowing in our life. Uh-huh. So notice here he's talking about the he's he's basically saying that you got to have the power of God flowing in your life and that ain't going to flow if you're ignorant of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or you're resistant to it, and yet I'm showing you biblically why you should be resistant to this teaching on the Holy Spirit because it's, it, 
It's not biblical. It's a, a twisting of God's word. So notice that one of the things that happens with oftentimes with preparation and groundwork for teaching somebody the so-called baptism of the Holy Spirit, implicit in this in their teaching is the creation of doubt in the minds of the believers that somehow they have been taught the truth, have been given the full counsel of the Word of God regarding the Holy Spirit. Yet when you just challenge their assumptions and challenge their doctrines biblically, it, their, their doctrines cannot be supported. It's a twisting of God's Word and a teaching regarding the gifts that is contrary to what God's Word clearly teaches regarding the gifts of the, of the Spirit. And you do not have to deny uh, that God, the Holy Spirit, gives gifts to people at all in order to see the problems here. You know, I can say this, that many of you watching this program hear me talk about that I've seen my son raised from the dead. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. Uh, I've had God lead me. God has spoken to me. Yeah, I'd like to see the medical records on that over and again. Uh, people just claim healings and resurrections and miracles but there always seems to be a supreme lack of proof that these things actually took place. To me, God's told me things, and you hear these stories, and many people desire, you know, that they could start seeing the power of God flow and that they could hear from God and do these things. But Yeah, so people who desire power, that doesn't sound like there's a problem at all, does it? Their motivation isn't the building up of the body of Christ, which is what... Well, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 says that the gifts are for the building up of the body of Christ. No, 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 no. They desire to see power. See the problem? If you would just think about this, the people who do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I emphasize speaking in tongues because I believe that that's kind of a doorway. That's a beginning point. It can't be because Scripture is explicitly clear that not all speak in tongues. And it opens up the door to much else. But there's much more than just speaking in tongues, and I will be talking about that. But the people who don't believe in that and resist that, if you would pay attention, they do not see the dead raised, the blind eyes open, the deaf ears open. You'd yeah, I would argue those who claim that they believe in that everybody should have the gift of tongues, they aren't either. Do not hear them being led by the Lord and having things happen the way people who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit do. Yeah, so you're just an inferior Christian if you don't speak in tongues. Yet, Scripture says, not all speak in tongues. And if you were just to look around and observe, you would find that the people who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that does not grant you automatic maturity by any means. I'm going to be explaining this. Yeah, that's weird because pretty much every crackpot you know, that we cover here at Fighting for the Faith are big advocates for speaking in tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And mature Christians is not a way I would describe any of them. Matter of fact, in the book of First uh, Corinthians, uh, Paul talked a lot about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to be going to some of those scriptures and showing this. And yet the Corinthians, he said, you are yet carnal. They had some serious problems going. People were getting drunk uh, during the observance of the Lord's Supper, and they weren't mature, and they weren't, you know, these 
these great Christians. In some way, it was probably one of the most carnal groups that God wrote to, but he never told them not to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He just told them the correct way to do it. Yeah, he put order around it. And in 1 Corinthians, again, not all speak in tongues. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 says. And stuff. And so I'm not saying that if you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's automatic immaturity from that. But I am saying it is a stepping stone to greater things. And you need to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and uh, so many people have just not been informed against this. There's some. Right. So apparently, I mean, yeah, unless you believe the false doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, yet Scripture is clear, all who are baptized, penitent believers in Christ, have the Holy Spirit. And not all speak in tongues. It's just fascinating to me that the sales pitch always includes this idea of basically making people feel like, oh, my goodness, I hadn't... I. I didn't even realize I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I and uh, why would I want to ignore the Holy Spirit? And so, yeah, it it no. You if you're a penitent, baptized believer in Christ, you already have the Spirit. I would say that maybe the evangelical fundamentalist uh, movement. I again, I hate to use terms because it means different things to different people. But uh, anyway, those groups right there, as a whole, reject the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, and they believe that all of the gifts of the... Which is false. I don't know any anybody who, who is a solid conservative Christian or evangelical that denies the, the, that the Holy Spirit works and operates today. I don't know anybody who says, no, nope, Holy Spirit's up in heaven, doesn't do anything, isn't involved in the life of the believer at all. Yeah, notice the straw man here. The spirit and these supernatural manifestations of the power of God that flowed through the Holy Spirit, that that's not for us today. And I'm going to be showing you, and I believe proving conclusively that that is incorrect and that that is going to really limit what God can do in your life if you reject those things. And so apparently you can limit God. Yeah, and, and, and the limiting factor is whether or not you believe in the modern-day doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that everybody can speak in tongues, despite the fact the Scripture makes it clear that the Holy Spirit gives differing gifts and not all speak in tongues. So that's kind of the, the preparation for what it is that will follow and I think Andrew Womack has done a fine job of kind of like being an advocate for uh, uh, the modern-day Pentecostal and charismatic movements. And already we can see that what he's saying is not at all what Scripture says. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. We're heading to Bethel and we're going to be reviewing a sermon on the transfiguration of Jesus. Are you transfiguring? Yeah, stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... Ah! 
are listening to Byron Christian Radio. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich! And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box? No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. We're back. Our number two of Fighting for the Faith. Heading over to Bethel. I'm going to listen to Bill Johnson engaging in Bible twisting via creative wordplay. But let's do this right. Got the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to to us via Bethel Church, Redding, California. Apostle Bill Johnson presiding. He's going to be preaching on the account of the transfiguration found in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, the name of the sermon is Mount Transfiguration Kingdom Come. And, uh, yeah, it's just going to be a mess. And I mean this, a complete theological mess. And a twisting of God's word in ways that are just beyond the pale. Nothing sound in what we're going to hear in this sermon, so... Let me go ahead and back off on the music, and without any further ado, here's Bill Johnson and Mount Transfiguration Kingdom Come. Here we go. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Let me stop for just a moment. I, I want to draw your attention to something. The way that Jesus taught about the kingdom is he would, he would make decrees like repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He would make these announcements that would basically say, listen, it's here, it's in your midst. You need to shift so that you can recognize it. Then he would do a miracle 
or you teach about the kingdom and follow it with a miracle. You need to shift so you can recognize it. That's eisegesis right there. Uh, at one point in uh, Matthew 12, uh, 28, he says, if I cast a demon out of you by the Spirit of God, which is how he did everything, was by the Holy Spirit that was on, on him. You remember that? That's the canonic Jesus, by the way. False view of Christ. Jesus is the God-man, God in human flesh. And what the canonic view uh, in the NAR basically says is that Jesus did everything he did purely as a man, empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is a false view of the Holy Spirit. And go back into the archives of Fighting for the Faith, and I explain in detail from last year's conference uh, audio of how this view is false. It's not biblical. Jesus is the God Man, and there are things. And that it, it, to say that He did everything He did by virtue of the fact that He was anointed by the Holy Spirit, therefore He's the perfect example for us of uh, what can be accomplished. You know, uh, as a man is empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is a false view of Christ. It is a heretical Christology. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. All right. If I cast a demon out of you by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So he has already introduced this group to the kingdom with power. So what is he doing now? He's adding an element of the kingdom they've not yet seen. All right. Are you with me? He's, what, what he's doing, he's, he's not... He's not showing them something they've never seen before. He's showing them something they've never seen in this form before because he's about to add another layer of what kingdom revelation looks like. All right? Just nod your head, all, all one of you. That was overwhelmingly encouraging. Are you in the same chapter I'm in? Mark 9. All right, look at verse 1 again. <laughs> Surely I say to you, there's some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Say that last phrase with me. The kingdom of God present with power. Say it again. Now, by the way, the way to properly understand this is to let Scripture interpret Scripture. In the Old Testament, especially in the book of First Samuel, this helps us properly understand the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. With Israel rejecting God as king and wanting a king like every other nation. Uh-huh. God gives them Saul, basically gives them what they want. You can begin to see what is meant here by the kingdom of heaven. So think of it this way. In the last chapter of the book of Judges, it talks about how in Israel, in literally the last sentence of the book of Judges, that there was no king Everyone did what they thought was right according to their heart. And then when you get into 1 Samuel, Samuel is the he's the kind of the first of the prophets of of the Old Testament prophets that of the type that we see of Samuel and Elijah and Elisha and people like that. And uh and he was also the kind of the last judge, not kind of. He was the last judge of Israel. And he wanted to make his son judges, and Israel said, no, your your sons are corrupt. We want a king. And this upsets Samuel. And God says, no, give them a king. It's not you they've rejected, but they've rejected me as being king over them. Mm-hmm. 
So God gives them Saul. Saul turns out to be a complete train wreck, although he's everything that the world would expect in a king. He's tall, handsome, and wealthy, Mm -hmm. but he's unfaithful and disobedient. That's right. So God raises up another king, a one one after his own heart. That's King David. And David becomes the high water mark of the visible kingdom of Israel. But from there, things just kind of go downhill until you get to uh, God saying enough is enough and sending Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon to destroy Israel, sack Jerusalem. Only a remnant survives. They go into exile. And from that point on, the mar- the visible kingdom doesn't exist. Not at all. And, um, you know, there's an anticipation and expectation that the Messiah would be of the line of David and would somehow restore the kingdom. That's one of the major expectations of the Messiah you see throughout the Gospels. However, there's no monarch at all. And when Jesus arrives, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's talking about the reign of God returning to Israel, the reign of God they had rejected all the way back in 1 Samuel. That's it, You kind of think of it this way. The kingdom exists where God reigns. That's a good way to think about the kingdom. Now, here, he's, he's, you know, the people in the NAR make a distinction between the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom. They, and, and then you know, they say that the gospel of the kingdom must be manifested with power. Power, man. You've got to have power. And so, yeah, that's kind of what's ticking under the hood here. And we see a false Christology at work. We're going to see a false pneumatology at work and a false understanding of the kingdom that is not properly informed by how Scripture defines these, these phrases and terms. Kingdom of God present with power. I'm reminded, I, I, I haven't done this any other time I've talked to this, but I, I'm reminded that when power is released in the book of Revelation, the glory is manifested. What? Verse 2. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter answered and said, there was, he answered, there was no question. Does anybody in here, does anybody else in here talk when you get nervous? Yeah, okay, all right. Hello, Peter. You'll en- yeah, it, it, looking at the Greek would be helpful here. Yeah, so, and there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus, and Peter, lege, the, yeah, said, doesn't said answered, it said said to Jesus. Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Mm-hmm. this story. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. 
Tabernacles. He's not talking about massive buildings. He's talking about a tent. The, 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 uh, the festival, the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles was upon them. And it was, a, it was a small tent. If you go to Israel now, you'll see these little, like a tent or a thatched roof put on top of a home. And it's just a place where, they go to, where they'll go to pray. And so he's not talking about some massive tabernacle. He's just saying, we'll, 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 we'll follow the feast and, and build three booths for you to worship in. Uh, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Because he didn't know what to say because they were greatly afraid. That's the funny verse. He, he came up with this idea because he didn't know what to say. I, I just think some people have opinions about things they have no right to have opinions about. <laughs> Verse 7. A cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. A couple things in Luke's Gospel that is worth noting. Uh, it's also in Luke 9. Let me just read it to you to save time. It says, while he, was pray, uh, while he was praying, he went up to the mountain to pray. While he was praying, the appearance of his face became different. So Luke's gospel adds some elements that Mark's gospel doesn't carry and vice versa. Each of the gospels that refer to these elements look at it from a different angle. He says, while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different. The word different actually means other. So his face became other. How many remember the story of the road to Emmaus when Jesus walked with two disciples and they didn't know who he was? That's because his face had become other. But they didn't see it happen. So they No, that's patently false. The uh, road to Emmaus does not say that Jesus' face became other. No, here's what the text says. Uh, Luke 24, starting at uh, verse 13 That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. The Greek says their eyes were held. So what what Bill Johnson just said there is false. It's, it does not say that Jesus' face was, quote-unquote, other. Yeah, we got some big problems here. Oh, he was. This time they were on the mountain with him, and his face became other, and they realized who it was because they saw it happen. It basically is just telling us, when the, as the kingdom comes in glory, the appearance of things change. No, it's not saying that at all and boy boy that is just nasty twisting of scripture this is not some principle that applies across the board when the kingdom of god comes it yeah the appearance changes to other wow this is messed up says his face became other, his clothing became white and gleaming. The word gleaming means a flash, like a lightning flash. So, (laughs) I don't know, i got to get the video on this. Can you imagine, Jesus is standing there, and his his clothing is like lightning. That'll get your attention. (laughs) The funny part of this story in Luke's Gospel, these disciples had actually fallen asleep. 
Believe it or not, they were actually now fully awake. So it says his, his clothes became white and gleaming, lightning flashes. Behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appearing in glory, they also came appearing in glory. They were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. All right. Yeah, the Greek there is exodos. I just want to talk through the story. There's a couple of things in here that I think are just extremely fascinating. Let's just go back to the transfiguration. Picture this. You're, you're, you're Peter, James, and John. We're, we're on the mountain with him. Jesus is there praying. And as he's praying, we see him change. He is absolutely transformed. We notice a cloud appears over us. There, his clothing is like lightning. His face takes on different appearance. And we are standing there absolutely scared to death, stunned, overwhelmed. We want to worship, sing, dance, fall on our face, everything all at one time. And we are totally stunned by this that we are beholding. That word, transfiguration, is the same word as in Romans 12, verse 2, where Paul said, Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word, transfiguration, is the same word, transform. Okay, now this is where he begins to engage in his wordplay. Yeah, he's beginning to play in wordplay here. The Greek word there, metamorpho, yeah, you know, if it sounds like metamorphosis to you, yeah, that's it comes from that concept. Yes, it is true that it is used also in Romans. But remember, words mean things in the context in which they appear. I always like to use this example. You know, the word up, it has many different meanings, many, but it doesn't mean all of its meanings at the same time. We can mean up as in the direction up, or we can talk about getting up as the is the act of rising we could talk about throwing up. Yeah, it has a totally different meaning in that context. But it doesn't mean all of those things at the same time. And although the word metamorpho does, you know, is used in Romans as well as here in Mark 9, it doesn't mean that they mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. You've got to be very careful because context is going to dictate these things. But what Bill Johnson engages in is kind of the Mets fan, the the bucket hat Met fan guy does, where he just kind of does this strange wordplay kind of thing. Let me remind you what that sounds like. Before we move on, I actually have a, uh, a pretty funny story I thought I'd share, if you don't mind. And speaking of cooking, uh, this morning I was in the kitchen, and I was, I was making some poached eggs. It... <laughs> poached eggs, that's great. <laughs> what, what's that? Come on. Poached Eggs, The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. I get it, man. That's hilarious. I'm a, I'm a big fan of your show, but uh, I see where you're going with that one. What, what, what are you talking about? You, what, do you, what do you mean you see where I'm going with that one? Come on, Poached Eggs. <laughs> poached Eggs, Eggs Benedict, Benedict Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, bring you back to kindergarten cop, cop out, outback, steakhouse, house party, tea party, T-Rex, bring you back to Jurassic Park, Parks and Rec. What channel is Parks and Rec on? NBC. Home of The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. How you like now? Yeah, that's just a sample of, you know, that that wordplay. And that's what 
Bill Johnson is doing here. This is not exegesis, and this is not Scripture interpreting Scripture. In order for Scripture to interpret Scripture, you really need to be working with the same doctrine or the same motif or the same typology. The the idea here is, is that when Scripture is talking about the same subject, it talks about the same subject in several different passages throughout Scripture, and those taken up together give us an, inf- an informed view of what's going on here. But, you know, Romans that talks about being transformed by the renewing of our mind, that, and it used the Greek word metamorpho, is not at all the same thing as Christ's transfiguration, his metamorphosis, where his glory, because he is God in human flesh comes out. And see, that's kind of a, a, one of the major themes within the uh, NAR movement, which actually puts them into the cult category, is that they underplay the divinity of Christ, hence their canonic Jesus. And they end up emphasizing the power of you know our powers in such a way that we are practically divine. I'll let him kind of flesh this out, but you, you can now see the trick that he's engaging in. It's, it's, we get our word metamorphosized. The caterpillar turns into a butterfly. There's such a dramatic shift from one stage to the next that there doesn't seem to be any connection. You can't look, logically look at a calip- caterpillar and say, oh yeah, in a week that thing's going to fly. There's nothing in it that would make you think that. That's why it's absolute transformation. Well, this is transfiguration. It is that. He was so transformed that he was human-like in one moment and God-like in the next. Um, no, the glory of God was shining through because Jesus is the God-man. He's not God-like. He is God in human flesh. All right? That is a visual picture of the renewed mind. What? So the transfiguration of Jesus is a visual picture of the renewed mind. No, it is not. This is a major twisting of Scripture. And literally robbing Christ of his divine glory. All right, I want to go after something here. The renewed mind is to be a brilliant, not reflection. Reflection is not not the right word. Because Jesus wasn't reflecting light. He was emanating light. It's important for me. I don't know if it matters to you. Yeah, but Jesus is God in human flesh. Um, Isaiah 60, arise, shine. It doesn't say arise and reflect. Totally out of context. You're not a moon that reflects the light of the sun. You are one in whom the sun lives. little play on words there, S-U-N-S-O-N. I hope you got that little transition. It, sh- it, su- it surprised me too. Yeah. I'm glad he admitted it, that he's engaging in plays on words. That's Bill Johnson's game. And he is not rightly handling any of these texts. He is intentionally, by his own admission, engaging in a play on words. 
You're, you're one in whom the, the light lives. Jesus is the light that enlightens everyone who comes into the world. So arise, shine means get up out of your position into his position and radiate who he is. Get into his position and radiate who he is? Hmm. This sounds like the sonship doctrine, mm-hmm. which is a false doctrine of the NAR. All right. So here's this picture. That is to be the renewed mind. The renewed mind, what would it be like for the way you think to reveal the brilliance, the radiance of God's world, of his nature? Wow. Again, note here, he's totally put the emphasis on the renewed mind and is totally downplaying the fact that Jesus, God in human flesh, is having his glory shine through on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh Uh-huh. It's all about you shining, not Christ. This is all about upplaying the divinity within you while downplaying and denying Christ's divinity. Wow. This is obviously more than thinking happy thoughts. This is more than, than memorizing a good scripture and having positive thinking. You know, I believe that, especially for those who are negative. I wish they would just do that. I would be fine. <laughs> just, just, just think happy thoughts. It'll help all of us, believe me. Just think happy thoughts. But it's more than that. It's actually a mind that picks up God's mind and radiates his hope over any given situation. Yeah, again, where in Scripture does it say that our minds radiate hope? It, it nowhere says that. This is a totally man-made doctrine arrived at via wordplay. Let's look at what this looks like. In Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven, a great verse that we love to quote, he says, For I know the thoughts that I have for you. This is God talking. He says, I know my own thoughts. Thoughts I have for y'all, talking, God talking to the... You know, the Babylonian captives. Let me tell you my thoughts. My thoughts are for your shalom. It's translated peace. It's translated welfare in some translations. It is the word shalom. That word is one of the greatest words. It's, my, it's one of my most favorite words in, in, uh, in the Bible. Shalom. Why? Because it's a word that means wholeness of being, um, soundness of mind, it refers notice that's those are two different definitions there he's conflating them mm-hmm. to divine health it refers to a prosperity that's emotional mental financial everything that you could want it's that's all in that word so here, here which lexicon which hebrew lexicon are you quoting this from mhm god says god says i know what i'm thinking about you let me tell you what it is i'm thinking for your shalom so that you'd have a future and a hope. What is he thinking? He's thinking about your future, saturated with hope, because his purposes are for you to be blessed in every aspect of life. That's what he's thinking about. So, transition, renewed mind, what is it? Yeah, again, totally out of context. Uh Uh-huh, way out of context. Go back and read Jeremiah 29 in context. Who is it written to? And what is the hope that is being referred to there that he wants them to know about, that he's going to have them return from exile to Jerusalem? 
is that regardless of what you're looking at, regardless of the situation you're looking at, to look at it with the mind of Christ that is one of hope, future, releasing the purposes of God, which is absolute shalom of God over any given situation. I loved how Paul introduced communion for us today. What was it? Nobody is so lost that they can't be saved, and nobody is so good that they don't need to be saved. I mean, it's like both ends of the spectrum. That regardless of what the circumstance is that we look at it, with the mind of Christ, we look with joyful anticipation of good because we see a future and a hope. That's a renewed mind. I believe that the, that the Lord is, is working to raise up a company of people who live reflecting through their thought life the radiance of another world. And this is the NAR doctrine of Joel's army. Uh-huh, the manifest sons of God. God is raising up those who will ref, not reflect but shine out the glory from their renewed minds. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't have the language for this yet. I'll try it again. Maybe a year I'll do better at this, I promise. But I feel like that whole deal on Mount Transfiguration that is so bizarre and so extreme, that's the visual equivalent of the renewed mind. No, it is not. And there's no reputable biblical scholar who would agree with you. He meets with Elijah and Moses. And Luke's gospel tells us what they were talking about. They were talking about his departure, which he would accomplish in Jerusalem. His departure, his death. Yeah, the Greek there in Luke's version is exodos. Uh huh. Accomplish. It says in the scripture, it says in Isaiah 53, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was smitten by God. The Lord took pleasure in afflicting him at the cross. As gruesome as it sounds, we must be reminded that for a moment, Jesus became sin. He became the single most detestable item in existence. He didn't fall out of favor. He became sin. He became He became in his person the very thing that caused the calamity to spread all through life, all through the planet. And in that moment, it was the Father's pleasure to smite him. This one who was facing that, the Father sends him Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah had the unique privilege of being killed by God. Neither of them, neither of them died a natural death. I don't want to draw any comparison. Forgive me. Jesus was smitten. God didn't kill his son. He poured out wrath on him. He bore the weight of sin. The weight of sin killed him. And in other words, he didn't take his life in a sense to give him a shortcut. It was no shortcut. I don't want to draw any comparison between his death. Yeah, but didn't Jesus lay down his own life? And Elijah and Moses. Theirs was not redemptive in nature. But there is a similarity. 
in that Moses and Elijah, neither of them died a natural death. God let Moses see the promised land, wouldn't let him go in because of some th- things that he just didn't do right. And the Lord took his life. And the same thing with Elijah. Why these two guys? Moses and Elijah are the Old Testament prototypes, high watermarks, if you will, of two realms that would reach their fulfillment in the earth after the death of Christ. And it's these two realms, power and authority. These were the two... I see. So they were the uh, power and authority twins. Got it. ...of these two realms. Moses had with him a staff with which he led the sheep out of... uh, He he led sheep, uh, his father-in-law's sheep. And when God called him to lead Israel out of Egypt, they... He went to Pharaoh... Finally, Pharaoh released them because of the plagues. Israel follows him out of Egypt, which represents slavery, bondage, because they were slaves, represents sin. They come to the first body of water, which is the Red Sea, and they can't get across, and Pharaoh's army is coming after them. Moses takes his rod of authority, and he puts it over the water, and and the Red Sea parts. I don't know that the... Israel would have gone through on, on the land that was between the walls of water if it wasn't for Pharaoh's army motivating them. Sometimes the Lord uses exterior things to motivate us. And so Moses holds out his authority, and the water's part, Israel goes through on dry land, but they're still not in the promised land. The promised land has one other body of water to cross. Change stories. Elijah represents power, the mantle. His mantle of power. Where in scripture does it say Elijah represents power or a mantle? Represents. Notice he's imposing these concepts on the scripture. Or like a garment, a a shawl, a cloak over him that he would wear. This represented power. We know this because John the Baptist came, the Bible says, in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah is the power figure of the Old Testament. So here Jesus is talking with two folks that represent the high watermarks that he is now releasing an entire generation of people that will increasingly carry these two mantles. And he's having conversation with them. Elijah knows he's about to die. He's got his servant Elisha with him. It's a bizarre story, but they're walking along, and they go to a town. He tries to encourage Elisha to stay. You know, it's, it's almost like he's saying, listen, you're well-known here. You've, you've helped me for years. You've got a lot of favor. Go here, plant a church. You'll do well. Elisha says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with you. So he goes to another town, tries to dump him several times. Finally, Finally, they get to this river. He strikes the water. The water's part. Elisha, I'm sure, is going, this is way cool. They walk through the dry ground. They go to the other side. Elijah turns to Elisha and says, what do you want? He says, I want twice of what you have. Well, you can't give away twice of what you have. I don't know if you noticed this. I have people that come to me a lot, and they say, I I want a double portion of what you have. I say, well, so do I. 
If it were that easy, I would lay hands on myself. So he's asking Elijah for twice what he has. Well, Elijah can't give it. You can't give what you don't have. And so he tells them, you've asked for something tough. If you see me when I'm taken, you can have it. So what happened? Chariot of fire comes. You've heard a song. They used to sing this old song about Elijah going up in a chariot of fire. He didn't go up in a chariot of fire. He went up in a whirlwind. What was the chariot of fire for? It was to see if the man who wanted a double portion would change his focus from his assignment, which was Elijah, shift his focus to the sign and the wonder. What? Where are you getting that? Oh, man, this guy is a master manipulator. Master manipulator of God's word. And when you manipulate it, you end up evacuating of its real meaning. And if he did, he looks back and Elijah's gone. He misses his chance for a double portion. Chariot of fire comes. And after it comes, Elijah goes up in a whirlwind. But when Elijah goes up, something falls. It's the mantle. Now it has double portion anointing. Why? Because God had it for a moment. What? <laughs> so now it has a double portion anointing because God had it for Yeah, he's just totally inserting things into the text that are not there. Elisha is going, that was cool. And he's got to see what he has. It may be just a cloth. It may have twice. I'm about to find out. He goes to the, to the river. He strikes the river. And he asks this great question. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Strikes the water. River parts. He goes, it's loaded. It's loaded. This is awesome. Yeah, so he realizes the mantle is loaded. What does any of this have to do with the Mount of Transfiguration? This is such, such a glorious story to me. It's such an amazing story. Why these two, why it was essential, I don't know, except that the Lord is unveiling, if you will. Well, you'll note that Moses is the one who is representative of the Torah, and Elijah the prophets. The Old Testament is pretty much cut into those two major sections, the Law and the Prophets. Something the disciples had seen, they'd seen the miracles, they had seen a measure of glory. They had seen, certainly seen things that made them wonder. They certainly saw the shift in atmosphere, but never do we have record... Shift in atmosphere. ...that I am, am aware of, where they actually saw visible manifestation of glory. And now Jesus is saying, listen, I want to unveil to you a different aspect of this message I have brought, the kingdom present with power. I want you to see what it looks like. And it's as though, he says, here, I, I want you to look at this. And when he takes the veil off, what do they see? They see him with clothes that's like lightning. His face that becomes changed. He sees time just seems to disappear as Elijah and Moses walk up. Here's them talking about the fact that he has something to, yet to accomplish. And it was his death and his resurrection. His death was what he would accomplish. The Spirit of God would raise him from the dead. 
And they're discussing this. And this was the revelation Jesus wanted to leave his disciples so that they had a more complete view of what this kingdom come with power looks like. I have... Yeah, but that's not actually what the text says. We had, about a year ago, unusual things start happening in... uh, in, in, the, in the room during... And now here come the personal, anecdotal, unconfirmable stories. Sometimes during ministry time, sometimes during a message. And I've never wanted to draw attention to manifestations. I love them. I do. I think they're the coolest thing ever. I don't want to draw attention to them, but I'm going to draw attention to them. Uh-huh. But I don't like to grade a service by a manifestation. In other words, it was great if we had something happen, or it wasn't as good if we didn't. I, I don't. I don't buy that. But I. I know that the Lord, for some reason, chose to manifest Himself in some unusual way with a cloud of glory, with what looked like gold or silver or various colors of little gold dust and. And it happens. It's happened on Friday night many times. It's happened on Sunday night. I think it's been 22 times now we've had this unusual manifestation. Even now, I'm I'm a bit embarrassed to even talk about it because I don't want to draw attention, except I want to use it as an example for something. This started August 12th last year. I think it was just two Sunday nights ago was the last time this unusual cloud thing appeared. When Moses... An unusual cloud thing appeared. Notice he's equating that with the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm -hmm. Moses went into Pharaoh. The Lord provided signs to convince Pharaoh that God was with Moses, and to get him to turn. He didn't. There became signs of judgment on Pharaoh, his family, and the nation. I believe that in a New Testament sign, it's a sign that reveals grace, kindness, that invites people to repentance. And I believe that what we're going to start to see happen... God's kindness that leads to our repentance is the forgiveness of sins won by Christ's death for us on the cross. I had somebody talk to me at the end of the service. What we're going to see more and more, and I feel like it's important that I pronounce it over you. And notice again, now the emphasis is totally off of Christ. And in the Transfiguration text, it's talking about Christ's exodus, how he's going to go to the cross, finish his mission, by bleeding and dying for our sins. All of that is now lost. It's de-emphasized. And now we're talking about, you know, glory clouds, so-called glory clouds and manifestations in our church services, because that's apparently what the transfiguration is about. Oh, and it's also about you not reflecting, but shining the glory of your transformed mind. Right. Yeah, this is totally taking people's eyes off of Christ and having them put on nonsense see more and more is unusual manifestations of the presence of the Lord upon you, through you, 
in the marketplace, in, in the workplace, where you work, in your homes, your neighborhoods, at school, unusual things. It's happened throughout history. We've had some happen here through the years through a number of you. But I feel like the Lord is saying, listen, I, I, I showed you something for a reason, not to round out your theology, but to draw you into your experience, to draw you in. He's, the Lord has done this to draw us into an experience. And notice that it's said in contradistinction to theology. Wow, this is deceptive. And he claimed God told him this. I intended experience for you. That there would be, in fact, encounters with the presence, with the glory of the Lord, in ways that, quite frankly, we're not accustomed to. And never, never, ever is a manifestation to be to draw attention in some way to you, to us, to this ministry. Yet that's exactly what you're doing. This is to draw people to Jesus, always. Don't, don't. How can it do that? You're not even really preaching him at all. Don't prostitute it for gain, and including the gain of having somebody think you're special. I had a friend years ago, he's, he's home with the Lord. I didn't know him well, but I... I, I got to be with him on a couple occasions, and he was just one of these guys that just the gold dust thing would just appear, would just start falling on him, no matter where he was. And he'd be sitting on a plane, and people would look at him, and they would watch this gold dust just fall on him, and they would get saved. They would say, "What's what? What is this?" And he would just talk about, "Well, it's just it's just the favor of God." Well, they would want the favor of God, and it actually brought a fear of God into the into the plane. And people would come to come to the Lord. Were they brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins? Or did they just want to also have the favor of God and have gold dust fall on them too? He was also kind of a bold man. Very bold man. <laughs> he was having lunch with a pastor friend and he stood up on his chair in the restaurant and yelled out, I'm in love with a man. He got everyone's attention and then began to share Jesus. But uh, scary moment for the pastor. Scary moment. For, uh, I don't recommend that. Some, I don't recommend that. Jesus is pointing to something that we've not yet seen. We've, Jesus was pointing to himself. Seen. We've seen, but we've not yet seen. And I feel like I was just supposed to declare to you this morning that he's the God of signs and of wonders because of where he's going to take us. Go back to one final part of the story. Moses, with authority, led Israel out of bondage. But it wasn't enough to get them into the promised land. Elijah went to the river and parted the river with power. Authority will get you out. Power will get you in. What? I mean, boy, you missed an important data point there. Moses, the lawgiver, didn't bring the children of Israel into the promised land 
it was Joshua. That's Jesus' name, Yeshua, who did it. Uh Uh-huh. You missed the important data point here. There's a difference between coming out of the red and going into the black. All right. Some of you caught it. That's probably enough. Why don't you stand? What we'll have to do for today. Done. What a train wreck. There's nothing sound in this man's teaching. This man is a deceiver and a manipulator, and he literally robs Christ of his glory, takes people's eyes off of Christ, and puts them on signs and wonders. And in the process, they lose the plot line altogether. Wow. So, what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Until tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.